honored to have you today. Let's pray. Father, as we have prayed and will be praying, I trust that your spirit has free reign today to say and to do what he would like to do and to speak to us in a really clear way. I thank you for the power of music, for the power of your word, and the opportunity we have to explore it each week as we corporately gather together from all walks of life and all different backgrounds to be here and to be a part of what you're doing in this place. And so we're honored that we don't have to invite you. You're already here. And we're just honored to be in your presence and delighted that we can share your word and unpack it. And I trust that you will speak as loud as you can so that we can understand that you give me wisdom and discernment. Help me to hear your voice as I deliver your voice and your message to your children this morning. I thank you for the privilege of doing that and for the love that we're able to share with one another as we grow in our walk with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. John Wimber is the head of Vineyard Ministries. Founded that church a number of years ago and has been serving God faithfully from that point on. He writes in a book called Power Evangelism, a story. He said, after a long weekend of traveling and speaking, I went to the airport to get a flight, tired and exhausted and wanted just to rest. I looked around for a moment and saw a middle-aged businessman sitting there. And as I looked directly at him, I saw the word adultery written on his forehead. I mean, I blinked my eyes and rubbed my eyes just to make sure to see what I saw, and there it was again. By that time, the man saw me looking at him and said in a very stern voice, what do you want? And at that moment, I heard the name Carolyn. I didn't know how he was going to respond, so I went over and sat beside him, and I said, does the name Carolyn mean anything to you? He broke down. He said, can we talk? On the way back to a quiet place where we could have a conversation, I felt the Spirit of God saying to me, tell him that if he doesn't quit the affair, I'm going to take his life. We sat down and he said, who told you all of this? And I said, God did. Assuming that I would get anger and some kind of reaction, he broke down in tears and he began to share with me the story. I began to share with him what I sensed God was telling me. And he came to faith in Christ. And in brokenness and repentance, turned his life around. You believe that? It's true. What goes through your mind when you hear stories like that? The Spirit of God saying something to someone and then passing it along and finding out that it was true. I don't know, I have some sermon note questions for you in your sermon notes this morning, and I've said to you before, they're kind of synopsis of the message, but have you ever been in a situation where you have had some sense that something's coming to you that you're to share with someone else, and you would have never known the information other than the Spirit of God told you? Or maybe you felt impressed to share something with someone, and it was a positive thing, and you felt you just wanted to encourage them by what you sense, and so you did, and you found that it was exactly what they needed at that moment. You ever felt impressed to pray for someone? You don't know why. You're not sure what they're going through, but you really felt impressed at that particular moment that you needed to stop what you were doing or wake up in the middle of the night and pray for that individual. And then when you shared with them somewhere along the way why that night was important and that you prayed for them that night, they said, you will never, ever believe what I was going through. I was desperately hoping that God would wake somebody up or shake somebody up so that at that moment they could pray for me because I didn't know I was going to survive that moment. You ever had that? Happens a lot. 
How about the desire to share faith with someone? You know you have a relationship with Jesus and you really love this individual. You know they're going through difficult times in life and you felt really impressed to share something with them about your journey with Jesus and what it meant. And you found out, even though all the fear that was running through your mind about, will they take that? Will they understand? Will they reject me? Will they blow me off? What will they say to me? Come to find out they were waiting for that very moment. And they were hoping that you would be the one to share with them the answers that you have found because they've watched your life and they've noticed that there's something different about you. And they had been hoping all along, didn't even know how to pray because they didn't know God, but they were just hoping that someone would come and share an answer of some kind with them, hoping that it was you. And you did. You were obedient to that leading and that prompting. And you went and you shared. And their life was changed forever. What do you think? Coincidence? I don't think so. I call them divine appointments. So do a lot of people. I've got a definition of that in your sermon notes this morning that I really want you to highlight. It's moments, events, meetings, or messages directed by the Spirit of God, given to those whose ears are open to His voice and hearts are open to His leading. That is an incredibly powerful phrase. One that I would love for you all of your life and every day of your life and every morning when you wake up to pray, God, get me in a place where I can be very sensitive to your voice, that I know it's you speaking, and help me to have a heart that's obedient to your leading. It does everything that I can to make sure that I've heard from you. But then when I really do know and really do sense that I've heard from you, help me to have a heart that's obedient to your leading. That's an incredibly powerful phrase and unbelievably powerful statement. An incredibly powerful prayer that if you pray, I'm absolutely convinced God will answer and use you in phenomenal ways to literally change someone's life forever. I want to read you the story this morning out of Acts chapter 8, and then we're going to unpack it together and use it as a foundation for exactly what I'm saying to you this morning and exactly what John Wimber experienced in that particular context. The story is about Philip. We've been on a journey with him for the last couple of weeks. He was one of the ones that went through the persecution and ended up leaving Jerusalem and heading out to other places, Judea and Samaria, exactly what Jesus told them to do. And they didn't do it, so he kind of forced the hand, and here he is. And everywhere he goes, he just simply good news is like everyone else in chapter 8. Life's not going well. Church is under persecution. Saul, who will later become Paul, we'll talk about him next Sunday morning, persecuting the church. Friends of mine have been in jail. I don't understand what's going on, but I do know the truth. And they just shared good news of Jesus everywhere they went. Philip was one of those, one of the ones chosen in Acts chapter 6 to kind of help minister with the apostles and take care of some needs in the congregation. And because of his willingness, God was using him in some really phenomenal ways. You're going to see one of them here in this section of Scripture. You're in verse 26 of chapter 8. It's on the screen, but if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to bring it as well. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. On his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. The man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The Spirit of the Lord said to Philip, Go to that chariot. Stay near it. Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet, and said, Do you understand what you're reading? How can I? He said, Unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. It's out of Isaiah chapter 53. He was like a sheep 
to the slaughter, a lamb before the shearer is silent, didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, Now, would you tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of being baptized? If you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch said, I do believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch didn't see him again, but both went on rejoicing. You ever had that happen? Where you know the Spirit of God is telling you something. You haven't heard it audibly. You haven't heard it out loud. But you know he's telling you to do something, and you respond to that, and you see a miraculous intervention of God take place. I've been in counseling sessions with people down through the years, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the context, while they're sharing, I sense the Spirit of God saying something to me that I would have never otherwise known unless he said it. And so somewhere at that free moment, I would say to them, does this mean anything to you? And they would say, how did you know that? And then would begin to honestly and truthfully get to the meaning and the issue that they were really facing. I've had times in my life where I've sensed from the Spirit of God, you need to call somebody at this moment. Or you need to go see them. You need to go to do this or to do that. I've had times where you need to check your voicemail. Now, I don't always carry my cell phone around. It's normally with me. But where it's a very specific prompting you really need now to respond to this. Only to find out it was exactly who I sensed it was from. And exactly what I needed to do. In a community that I was once in, a man who was working for a very prominent company was on his way out of town to commit suicide. He just happened to go by the road that our church was on and just happened to see the light on the steeple. And it happened to be a night that we were there, and it just happened that I met him on the way in. Had the opportunity to lead him to faith in Christ. And he and I became good friends until he moved to another state. Coincidence? Just happened? Not at all. Some call them divine appointments, words of knowledge, gift of discernment. They're all of those. The Apostle Paul says it's being led by the Spirit. It's walking in the Spirit, being sensitive to his voice. Philip's story of evangelism by divine appointments, hearing the voice of the Spirit, are biblical models. Sometimes we look at Scripture and we say it's almost as if it's a fairy tale. We never say this out loud, but sometimes we look at these occurrences and talk about things like once upon a time. There was a people in a faraway land who really saw God do some amazing things. I wish it were today. I'm here to tell you it is. This is not a history book. It's not a story book. It is a living, breathing word of God. Now, some of the people that will tell you that the sign gifts, words of knowledge, and some of the things you see in the book of Corinthians that are visual evidences of the Spirit of God manifesting himself in powerful ways isn't for the church today, but they will also say that the Bible is a living, breathing word of God available to the church today. Those two things can't go together. Either the God of Scripture that we see alive and present in 2,000 years ago, in 50 A.D., in 60 A.D., in 70 A.D., is the same God that is available to the church today in 2014, or he isn't. Right? 
It's either a history book, a great story book, or it's the living, breathing Word of God. And what we see in this living, breathing Word of God is available to the church today. Now, we also know that there are abuses of things like this, of words of knowledge, statements, God told me so, God said, God is leading, God is telling, God has told us to drink this Kool-Aid, whatever the issue may be. There are a number of abuses, certainly down through the ages, where people have used that phrase, and it makes us skeptical. And so we look at a section like this and a section of Scripture like this, and we know there are issues of stories that I've told you about this morning. We know they're there, but we're not always sure what kind of pocket to put them in, what kind of basket to put them in so that I know that it's true. Oh, I'm here to tell you this morning, it's true. And the abuses of it and the things that sometimes allow us to be misled can't happen can certainly happen, but we need to know that what we see in this section of Scripture is the same way God works today, in spite of the abuses and in spite of the misuses of that. The same God that we see speaking to Philip is the same God that can speak to you and to speak to me. One of the things that I love about James' phrase when he describes Elijah, and if you don't read it carefully enough, you'll miss it. He's talking about a man of God who saw the power of God and the manifestation of God in amazing ways. Called down fire from heaven. That's a pretty good day. Thousands of people came to faith in Christ. He was able to pray that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years and then pray again that it would rain, and it did. Now, that's a pretty good prayer life. But what I love about James, when he talks about all that and gives this miraculous, he said, now, look, I want you to know Elijah is the same guy you and I are. He puts his toga on one arm at a time like you and I do. He may have put his leg pants on one leg at a time, whatever, but basically he's saying, look, so often we look at these people and we kind of elevate them as saints that we will never aspire to, will never be like. And he said, regardless of all the things you saw him do, I want you to know he's an ordinary individual like you and, are. You and I are serving an extraordinary God. And sometimes we read stories like this and occurrences like this and we put it out there somewhere and say, well, it's awesome for Philip and awesome for James and awesome for John and awesome for Elijah, but that's just me. And you've underestimated and sold short what the Spirit of God can do in your life if indeed your ears are open to his voice and your heart is open to his leading. Let's look at a text for a minute. Verse 26, the Spirit of the Lord said... Now, one of the things that are always up for debate is how? Audibly? I've asked the question here, how many have heard the audible, out loud voice of God? And every once in a while, someone will say, I have. I've not, to be honest with you, I know when the Spirit of God is speaking. I've not heard the audible voice of God, but I know when it is. Some people have heard the audible voice of God. I don't think he did. I think he got a word of knowledge, a sense in his spirit of what he was to do. The verse that I have in your sermon notes this morning is from Numbers 12. When God said, I speak to Moses mouth to mouth and face to face, but to the prophets, they don't hear my voice. I speak to them through visions and dreams, promptings and impressions. 1 Corinthians 12 says that one of the gifts of the Spirit is words of knowledge. Things that you know you have sensed or you sense deep in your spirit that have come from the Spirit of God that you wouldn't have otherwise known unless you said it. In this text, I believe Philip got a word from God. However it came, a prompting, a leading, an impression, however it came, he believed. And he went and he obeyed. Sometimes we struggle with those promptings. Is it really the voice of God or did I have bad pizza last night? I'm not sure. And I've often wondered as I've read through Scripture, what did Philip think at first? 
You mean this road? And I love how God identifies which road. You mean that chariot? Seriously, only one chariot? Had to be a number of chariots. That chariot, that road. And he went and he obeyed. And right up front, you've got some interesting dynamics going on. When you honestly look at the situation for what it says, you recognize that Philip is seeing someone that he normally wouldn't have had a conversation with and easily could have been intimidated by. Obviously a powerful man, a rich man, seemingly so. Certainly there's a a racial issue here, a cultural difference between the two. And Some of the people that God's Spirit may lead you to could intimidate you as well. They'll never listen to what I have to say. It's risky, and it was risky for Philip. But what Philip found out, that God was already preparing this guy. And in many cases, you'll find the same to be true. One of the things that keeps us from witnessing is our fear that they're going to ask a question that I'm not ready to answer or ask questions that no one knows the answer to. But often what we'll find, if we're open to his voice and obedient to his leading, we will find the person has already been prepared to hear what it is I'm about to share or what it is that I'm about to say. Doesn't always happen that way, but many times it happens exactly like it does in Acts chapter 8. I have a verse there for you about Jesus in John chapter 5. It's also, I think, repeated in Luke, one of the most fascinating verses I've ever read in Scripture. When Jesus said, I don't do anything by my own initiative. I say what I sense the Father telling me to say or to do. You don't find that fascinating? That Jesus would say that? I'm listening to the Father's voice, and I'm doing what he tells me to do. Can it be risky? (laughs) Absolutely, especially in light of the abuses. Some people are so enamored by the Spirit's prompting that they look for them everywhere and in everything and easily can get things out of balance, only moving by subjective promptings instead of the authoritative truth of the Word of God. But many times it happens exactly like it does in this text today. And for the sake of the person that God is leading you to, you can't afford to miss it because their eternal life may be at stake. And you may be the one, the very one, that God wants to use that they'll listen to more than anybody else on the planet. And if you miss that moment and you aren't obedient to that prompting, regardless of the abuses, you may forever lose that opportunity. Does it always happen this way with divine appointments and immediate conversions? No. A lot of times you're watering, you're planting the seed, you're sharing some things with them, and after a while they begin to have other conversations. I think a lot of times it happens like it did in those verses that we read last Sunday morning, where they just simply good news everywhere they went. Things weren't going well, but they were just happy with life and what God had done in their life, and they were sharing it every place. Simply put, lifestyle evangelism. It's just letting Jesus spill out everywhere I go. I love how Paul starts the book of Philippians when he said, every time I think of you guys, I smile because everywhere you go, Jesus spills out. And when life bumps into you and people bump into you, Jesus spills out. Does that happen to you all the time, doesn't it? When people bump into you and life bumps into you, doesn't Jesus always spill out? Not always, right? Other things spill out. But one of the things that God delights in using the most is people who are like that, who when life bumps into them and people bump into them, Jesus spills out. And they're able to share what God's doing in their life. People notice your joy. They they notice your laughter. They notice your demeanor. They, They notice that you are 
calm and they know your crisis. They know your circumstance. They know you just lost your mom or dad or something else has happened in your life. But there's something about you that's different and they notice that. And you're not doing it to fake it or be phony about it. You just simply know in the grand scheme of things. I talked to a gal this morning whose dad is passing away and she knows he knows Christ as Savior. And you can deal with those things. And people see that. They know you come to work on Monday and you're not hungover. You don't think people would notice that? They notice that when you go to an office party, you're the only one that drinks Coke or Pepsi. And you don't get blitzed and you don't get hammered. And you don't use the excuse, well, I'm going there to witness, really? But you go to those events and you are at those office things and and you don't get hammered and blitzed like the rest of them. And what makes you that way? Why, why, Why are you so different? They see you at a football game on Friday night, and, and they kind of watch your life, and they know there's just something about you that's different, and, and they want to know their interest. Where do you go to church? They wonder what you do on the weekend, whatever it may be. There's hundreds and hundreds of opportunities where all of life gets the opportunity every once in a while for Jesus to spill out. And that's what these people are doing in Acts chapter 8, and every once in a while you'll find yourself in a situation like Philip where he specifically said, right now, to this person, today another thing that you can't help but notice in this text and it's how philip communicates to him he runs up to the chariot he heard him reading isaiah he asked if anybody can explain it and the ethiopian said how can i unless someone explains it to me and i've often wondered if the apostle paul had this in his mind when he writes romans he talks to us about our missions emphasis how will they know unless someone tells them and how will they hear unless someone sends them That's a great question, and I find it fascinating that 2,000 years ago, the Ethiopian is saying the same thing. How can I know? How would I know unless someone tells me? That someone may be you. And then he goes on and explains where he's reading in Isaiah, and then look at verse 35 for a minute. Then Philip began with the very passage of Scripture that he was on and told him the good news about Jesus. One of the lessons that I see that stand out for me in the story in your sermon notes is meet them where they're at. Meet them where they are. Philip began with the very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. You don't have to feel like if someone talks to you or you feel led to talk to someone about the faith that you have in Jesus, that you have to explain the entire Bible to them. Some of the things that intimidate us is, what if they ask us questions we don't know? Where did dinosaurs come from? I don't know. Would be your answer. And, 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 and the list is endless. And I could tell you where they come from, but it's another sermon. The list is endless of things. I'm afraid they're going to ask me this. I'm afraid they're going to ask me that. I asked one of our guys the other day in the staff, this is going to be on the ordination exam. What does Acts 8.37 say? And if you look in your Bible, some of them won't have Acts 8.37. It'll go 36, 38. And I'm going, I read it the other day, and I'm thinking, well, they misprinted. And then different versions have what he responded to. Sometimes we are intimidated because we think they're going to ask us things we don't know or ask us questions that we couldn't understand. What really does the book of Revelation mean? If you can explain that, come with me because I'd love to know exactly what it means in all the contexts. They don't, they're usually not going to ask you. Find out where they're at. What are they wrestling with? Why are they even asking the question? What are they struggling with now? Where are they at in the stage of life? What situations are around them? Many times, most people just need encouragement. They just need to know that someone else sees that they're going through deep waters and that someone else else may be praying for them or encouraging them or making them smile or making them laugh. 
when life itself isn't. Maybe they just needed invited to church to know about all the ministries that go on in a particular church. This is going to sound extremely self-serving about CAC, and I totally get that. But do you realize how easy it is to invite somebody to Community Alliance Church? Because we really do have something for everyone. I remember what it's like hearing those stories of people saying, I want to invite you to my church. And they say, well, my kids are teenagers. Do you have anything for my teens? Well, we only have one teen in our church. And no. And the list is endless of times that people have tried to invite somebody to another church and they just didn't have anything to offer. Do you realize how easy it is to invite somebody here? You're a woman, we've got needs for you. We've got three different ministries for you. You're a guy, we've got some incredible opportunities for you to grow in your relationship with God. You're a, a, anybody from kindergarten to the end of your life, we've got some great ministries for you. You're looking for something for your kids, or your teens, or your fifth and sixth graders, your seventh and eighth graders who are now in this huge transitional stage in their life that have no idea what to do with all their emotions and hormones and feelings and all that goes with that, do you realize we got something for them? Now, I know it sounds self-serving, but we make it so unbelievably easy because God has blessed us in incredible ways to just simply invite them to some of the things that God is doing. Many times it happens. Like verse 5 of chapter 8, where Philip goes down in Samaria and proclaims the message where they come to faith in Christ by a preacher, an evangelist, or a crusade or a revival service. And many times it happens, like Philip and the Ethiopian. And if we make ourselves available to God's Spirit and obedient to His promptings, I am honestly here to say to you, God will do the same with you and I. We have resources all over our campus here that you can utilize. I have a couple here this morning, some in the front chair. One of my favorite has been around for a while, but how I can share my faith without an argument. Peace with God, one of the easiest, simplest ways to explain to someone how to find peace with God. All over our campus are ways, and I can give you some other resources just to make it as simple as possible to share what you have found with those who are desperately looking for answers. And you know the Spirit of God is leading you, and you want to be available to Him. The other thing you can't help but notice in this passage of Scripture in verses 36 to 38 is the significant step of baptism. I find it fascinating that the very thing that he needed to do or the thing that he sensed, because somewhere along the way he had to have seen it, is a necessity that public statement, that honest awareness that I have just embraced Christ as Savior and I want to identify with Jesus. Now, we do it publicly for a number of reasons, but one of the main reasons is if we're really honest about our own journey of faith, many, many of us came to faith in Christ quietly or on our own. My mom led me to Christ in the privacy of our home. My dad shared Jesus with me. Some of you came to faith because a friend talked to you about Christ. I shared the story in the first service without using names of a man who was sitting in our first service who just was sensitive to the Spirit of God and made one statement to another man who happened to be sitting in the first service, and it literally changed his life forever. And the very thing that that man knew he needed to do was publicly declare his allegiance to Christ. And one of the reasons we do baptism is for that reason, to publicly identify with Jesus, to make a public declaration. I'm not just a, 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 I'm not by myself a follower of Christ. I'm identifying myself with a body of believers, and I'm making a public declaration. I'm going to follow Christ the rest of my life. 
We try to do baptism services here sporadically throughout the year. And if you're interested, we'd love for you to do it. I find it fascinating that the very next thing he wanted to do when he came to faith in Christ was identify with Christ in a public way. Every time I read Scripture, I often find myself wondering what goes on behind the scenes or what goes on after a story is written and everybody goes their way and what they were thinking. Do you ever wonder that? I mean, if you were Philip and you went away from that experience, and it may have been your first, may have been the very first time where you really did sense the Spirit of God of all the roads, of all the chariots, of all the places the guy could have been reading right there, and God used me to change his life. Jesus, thank you for letting me listen. I'd have never, guy's going back to Ethiopia. You think he could find one chariot, one person in Ethiopia? Say, oh yeah, I missed you before, but now I want to talk to you. That could have been the one and only chance. God, I'm so thankful that I didn't pass that opportunity up. One of the reasons, to be honest with you, we do, we think we'll have another chance. Oh, we'll see him again. We'll see him down the road. I'll see him next week at work. Not always. i got to believe that Philip thought, God, that's amazing. Thanks for using me. Me. Didn't set out to be a preacher. Didn't set out to be an evangelist. I just love God, love church, and all of a sudden they made me a deacon, and here I am doing this, and oh boy, thank you, God. And then I wondered about the Ethiopian. Wow. Of all the roads, of all the places, of all the things, God, I can't believe that you orchestrated all of that, and it's a coincidence but that you loved me enough and pursued me enough to orchestrate all of that so that I could find you. Think back on your life. Do you realize the things that God put in place? You may not appreciate it. You may not think about it much, but do you realize, we'll talk about it more next Sunday, do you realize the things that God put in place so that you could find him and have your life changed not just for this life, but for all eternity. That is his love for you. Father, I thank you for your word. I'm so delighted that it's not just a history book or a fairy tale of days gone by, but it's a living, breathing word of God. I thank you for models like this. Father, help me to be more sensitive to your voice. Help me to listen clearly every day to what your spirit is saying and help me to be obedient to your leading. I, I'd love for you to pray just quietly where you're at. I'm not going to make you uncomfortable in any way, but just simply say, God, I know what you did to bring me to yourself. I'd love to be used by you in some significant way. I hear stories like this all the time where people are hearing your voice and I want to be sensitive to that. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your leading. got to believe there are people out there that you and you alone could have the opportunity to share your faith with that if you're obedient and honest and open to that he'll use you so make yourself available and then I'll close
if you heard a name or maybe there was something the Spirit would say about a situation or a circumstance, I'd love for you at the bottom of that sermon notes, there's a, just some space there. Write that name and just pray about it. God, I want you to confirm it. I want to be sure that I'm hearing from you, and that's a good thing. I get people a lot of times calling, I got a word of knowledge for you, I got a word from God for you, and I appreciate the ones that say, I want you to sense some confirmation. I want you to take it before God and see if he confirms it. And that's a great test. But just ask God to confirm it. And then ask him for that leading. And then say, God, help me to be obedient to not miss it. One thing I've said for years, you never have to pray for opportunities to share your faith. They're in front of us every day. What we have to pray for is courage when the opportunity unfolds to follow through on it. I just don't want you to live with regrets. I don't have a lot of regrets in life. I have some. And uh, yesterday I found out a friend of mine that I sensed something wasn't right a number of months ago in a relationship, and I didn't say anything. I, I wasn't sure at the time. His world collapsed. I just found out yesterday. And I thought, oh, man, I wish I would have followed what I sensed I should have said. And so I, I tell you that, I, you won't know, and it doesn't matter, and I don't want you to share it beyond here. Nobody around here at all, total other states, other state. But I just don't want you to say, oh, I knew what I should have said, and I didn't. I missed that leading, so don't. A few minutes from now, if you have kids in kindergarten to fourth grade, man, I'd love you to take them and uh, spend some time together as they share our truth in a very comedic and enjoyable way. Tonight, Wednesday night, Thursday night with our ministries. I want to say this as lovingly and kindly as I know how, but if you're a parent of children in our ministry or students in our ministry, we need you to encourage your children to come. If they, and you never say it, if they think um, gymnastics and ballet and soccer and all those other things are, are more important than church, they will have made up their mind then which is most important. And if they don't have your leading and direction in that, they could easily assume then it's okay. And when I get a chance to get to church or some of those events, I will. It's not to down sports. I played them all. I love them. And I'm not saying that for that reason. I'm just saying we can't do it without you. And your partnership to say, look, God can do some great things in your life. I'd love for you to go to this, and I'd love you to be a part of that. It's two hours a week or an hour a week, but I think it can change your life forever. If you do that and partner with us in that, it'll make a huge difference in what God wants to do in the life of our kids and our students. So please take it out of love. But um, you're my family, and so I want to say that to my family because I regret through the years not saying that enough. God bless you. Have a great, great day. Next week, we're going to move to the next chapter. And you'll see kind of an opposite experience of uh, being blinded by the light and God really working in a dramatic way. We'll see you then. Have a great, great day. A great week.